Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks for Tuesday, October 29th, 2019. It is game day, despite what I told you on yesterday's podcast. Jay Zawoski here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for participating in Mailbag Monday. If you missed it, you can get in early for next week's LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com or the voicemail 708-653-0572. You can also tweet the show at LO underscore Blackhawks. Don't forget to follow my personal account at jayzawoski670 and my other podcast, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod. New episode coming out. Uh, it came out yesterday, actually. So check, make sure you check that one out. James Naveau of NBC5 Chicago and I have been doing that one for five years. Very good. Very different. I think you'll enjoy it. So it is game day. We're still basking in the glow of Sunday night's 5-1 win over the LA Kings. Later in the show, we're going to go behind enemy lines and scout the Nashville Predators. They have won three in a row. They're off to a really solid start, so we'll look into what sort of challenges the Predators pose for the Blackhawks. We're also going to hear from Jeremy Colleton's post-game press conference from Sunday. A lot of very interesting things. He talks about uh, the importance of getting that win over L.A. He talks about Dylan Strome and Alex Brinkett's reunion, very briefly mentions what the decision on Brent Seabrook might be, and then spend some time praising Alex Nylander and Kirby Doc. Some really good stuff, some big picture stuff I think you guys will want to hear. But a couple sort of loose ends from Sunday night's win. Uh, the Hawks had Monday off practice, so there's not a ton of news to react to on this one. So I want to sort of spend some more time on a few of the things now that we've had some time to sleep on it and to sort of reflect on the win, some things to take away. The defense played really well, obviously giving up one goal. And let's not pretend like the LA Kings are a juggernaut. That's a team that is clear, clearly rebuilding. They have some salary cap sort of restraints too with guys that no one really wants like Dustin Brown. Um, they've got some things to cope with there too. Ilya Kovalchuk is on the team and is not really doing much for them. So it wasn't a great win over a great team, but the way the Blackhawks had been playing leading into Sunday, it was needed. And I think the defense played really well. And this will be my big question going into tonight's game. And we will find out after the morning skate today. Is Brent Seabrook back in the lineup? I don't know how you can change what you did this last game. Everything worked so well. And again, yes, Nashville is a tougher opponent. And maybe Brent Seabrook has more familiarity with some guys on the Predators than some of the young guys on the team. But I don't know if that matters. I don't change a thing. Joel Quenville almost never changed the lineup after a win. And I kind of like that philosophy, especially when things have been going as poorly as they've been up until that moment. I think Brent Seabrook's been okay. But the message it sent, I, I talked about this on Monday's podcast, the message that scratch sent to the rest of the team is going to resonate for a long time. That's a big balls move by Jeremy Cowlton, and I think sort of doubling down on it tonight could just sort of add that added emphasis to it. It can say like, look, it wasn't a one night, let's throw this at the wall and see what happens kind of a thing. It was a hockey decision to sit Brent Seabrook. And if you're going to play poorly, whoever you are, it will be a hockey decision to sit you as well. I think the best thing and the smartest thing to do is to go with the identical lineup 
they went with against LA on Sunday night. I don't think there's much question about it at all. And look, I am the last, not the last, but among the last Brent Seabrook defenders. I think he's been better this year than he's gotten credit for. I thought the pairing of him and Olimata had been pretty good. I said on Monday's podcast, I was sort of surprised that he was the one scratched, but I get it because of the impactfulness of it, because of the stroke of scratching a guy that high profile. I get it, and I sort of like it. And to bring him back in, even if you think, and maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't. Maybe you think Brent Seabrook gives you a better chance to win on a night-in, night-out basis. But I think putting him back in after a decisive win, a win the team felt good about, sort of softens the impact of that initial scratch. And I, I think that that's the way to do it just keep that same defensive pair the same defensive pairings and the same lines together for tonight's game in that same vein Robin Leonard should get the starting goal tonight as well Mario Tirabasi from the rink he writes for the ice writes about the ice hogs and the Blackhawks he also is a production assistant at stadium follow him on Twitter at Mario underscore Tirabasi had a great tweet this uh had a great tweet on Monday morning 39 NHL goalies have made at least five starts this season. Robin Leonard has a 935 save percentage. That's second of 39 and a 2.15 goals against average. That's fourth of 39. Corey Crawford has a 0.888 save percentage. That's 31st of 39 and a 3.67 goals against average. That's 37th of 39. Now, we can go all back and make all the excuses we want for Corey Crawford, and some of them would be valid. He was screened. You know, there was a defenseman in front of him. The shot was redirected. Whatever. Every goalie faces those challenges every game. Robin Leonard has been one of the top five goalies in the league this year, however you want to look at it. Second in save percentage, fourth in goals against. Corey Crawford has been a bottom 10 goalie this year, however you want to look at it. To me, I'm starting Leonard mm, 5 of 7, 7 of 10. He's my starter right now. Because of the start you've gotten off to, because of the way the Blackhawks began this season, because of the quote-unquote moral victories that they had that were really well-played games, but were losses, the Vegas game, the Washington game, etc. You've put yourself in a position now where you can't worry about making veteran players happy and you can't worry about balancing the workload. Until you get back in this race and climb back into this race, you have to play the best players. And Robin Leonard is without question the better goalie right now. I think a lot of us have sort of said, well, you know, the Hawks, they're behind in points, but they haven't played that many games because of Prague. No, they've caught up. Nashville, who the Blackhawks play tonight, has played 11 games. The Hawks have played 10. So it's not like they've got all this ground and all these games in hand on their opponents. They don't. The time is now, and I know it's October, but back in April, when the Hawks were making that playoff push, those six points they lost early in the season or midway through the season, they would have been nice to have come playoff time, right? 
To me, it's Robin Leonard until it's not. I said that before. I've been Team Leonard since the beginning, and I think if the plan is to try to win games, which that's what it should be, right? You've got to play Robin Leonard in goal tonight and for most nights going forward. It is Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Jay Zawoski with you here, and oftentimes, especially after weekend games, especially on Sundays when the NFL's on pretty much all day, the Jeremy Cowton post-game press conference can sort of fall through the cracks. I wanted to bring you back part of his conversation with the media after Sunday's win over the LA Kings. There were some really interesting things he covered. We'll react to those once you hear from Cowden. This audio, courtesy of ChicagoBlackhawks.com. Obviously, uh, pleased for the guys to get rewarded um, for, I think, a pretty good effort. wasn't perfect, of course. It rarely is, but uh, you know, it wasn't so different than probably you know the Washington game, the Vegas game, um, parts of Carolina. But the puck went in the net for us, which was a big boost. Uh, lift probably lifted a little bit of a load off some of those guys' shoulders and. Um, now we got a little bit of, of uh, positive reinforcement for some of the good things they've been doing, and we got to build on it, though. And uh, we talked about consistency. I think um, part of the part of the thing we want to do is when you play well and you don't get rewarded right away, to stick with it. And um, I think if we continue to do that after getting a win, then maybe we can string one, string a streak together. So. Uh, a lot of positives, a lot of good performances, and now we got to build on it. What went behind the decision to pair up to break in Strom again on the fourth line? Well, uh, they've obviously played well together in the past, and uh, we thought you know putting Carpenter there would give them a bit of protection defensively. Carpenter is a guy who he does a lot of things right away from the puck. He's very rarely takes a wrong decision in the defensive zone. He can win faceoffs, and Stromer can help him. I mean, he's comfortable playing low, and he can take faceoffs. But I think it frees those other two up to um, push the pace and make some more plays and have the puck more. I think it seems like whatever line Carpenter's been on this year, they have the puck a lot, and uh, so work tonight. We'll see. Typically, wouldn't change the lineup much after after a win. But what do you do with Brent Seabrook in that situation? Yeah, we haven't talked about it. Um, we got till Tuesday. Elander uh, had that pretty good offensive play. His back checking seemed like it was working. What, what what have you seen from him? Yeah, he's for me. He's been really good, very consistently. Um, I don't know how many games it's been, but uh, I feel quite comfortable with him on the ice. I thought he was excellent in Carolina. Also, uh, you know. Could have easily had a couple points, created a bunch of chances, basically by himself, with his work ethic. And uh, when a, when a guy as talented as he is wants to work, he's, he's going to be a pretty good player. That's I think that's the case right now. Five games in, what, what, how do you assess that? I think he's been good. He's um, it's not all going to be perfect. It's hard, you know, especially playing center. It's difficult uh, league. There's big boys, and it's you know hard in defensive zone and. Hard to win 50-50s, but he protects the puck extremely well. Uh, he often, when he does get possession, he often makes a, a play. He doesn't just throw it away. He advances it cleanly, uh, get, puts his line mates in good situations. So um, we're going to continue to talk about you know, his, his um, play away from the puck, putting pressure on the puck, getting to full speed without the puck, because when he does that, he creates turnovers, and then he doesn't have to be in D zone. So 
Um, so far, so good, though. Would you ever declare him going here that he's going to play here the rest of the season before the ninth game, or are you guys going to wait? I wouldn't do that without uh, Stan and I having a conversation. No question about that. Lots to unpack there from Jeremy Cowton. First thing, he sort of, not echoed, he said it first, um, good to get these wins where you feel like you deserve them, and heading into the road trip, instead of being bummed out on the way to Nashville, they're feeling good about themselves, they're a little bit more relaxed, um, the win is a very good thing. Next up, he mentioned moving Dylan Storm. I love how that was called the fourth line. I know that's how it was drawn up, but that was not the fourth line on Sunday night. It just wasn't. Strom, DeBrinkett, and Carpenter, that's not your fourth line. That's really a silly concept. Anyway, um, just talking about their chemistry together. And like I said last segment, you've got to do the things that put you in the best position to win right now. And maybe some of those luxury developmental ideas you had of seeing how Strom does at wing or seeing how he does with other players, etc. Those have to take a back seat now to victories. And I think the best path to victory is putting those two together for sure because their chemistry is undeniable. For those of you that don't know, they played junior hockey together with the Erie Otters. Dylan Strom and Alex DeBrinkett didn't just become a thing last season. It's been a thing for years. They're best friends off the ice so having those two together is a good thing, and I think it should be the, the way things are going forward. I don't think we're ever really going to get to a point here in the season where the Hawks get out to a big division lead where you can sort of coast and say, well, you know, they'll be fine. Let's just see what happens. No, it's never going to get there. So um, really like that they're back together, and I know I was sort of critical of Strom last week saying, look, if you're going to want big money, you're going to have to learn to play with other players in other positions, and I stand by that. But right now, the most important thing is to get the team wins. The really short answer on Brent Seabrook playing tonight, interesting. He's always sort of uh, secretive about the lineup anyway, so I'm not going to read too much into it. Um, but you could tell he wanted to move past that question very quickly, and the media sort of uh, agreed and sort of got the message, and they moved on from it at that moment as well. Uh, then goes into high praise of Alex Nylander and Kirby Doc. Um, so far, obviously the Nylander comments speak for themselves, but the doc stuff was interesting, uh, talking about how being a better skater without the puck will get him the puck more. I really like that. And then when asked about would doc be, would there be a decision on his future before the nine games are up? He again, very much quickly moved on from that saying that's a decision that him and Sam Bowman will have to make together. Really good stuff there from Jeremy Cowton. And I'll be sure to listen to post-game audio to see if there's anything worth bringing back on these podcasts. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Jay Zawoski with you here. Follow me on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks or my personal account at Jay Zawoski 670. Before we go behind enemy lines, we have a trade to report. The Blackhawks have traded winger Brennan Perlini to the Detroit Red Wings for defenseman Alec Regula. Alec Regula is with the London Knights right now, the team that Adam Boquist was with last season. And uh, let's see, a native of West Bloomfield Township, Michigan, Regula was named to the 2017-18 OHL first all-rookie team after tallying seven goals and 18 helpers in a career-high 67 regular season games. 
while also skating in four OHL playoff games. Regula helped the Chicago Steel capture the 2017 Clark Cup after registering five points in 53 regular season games and one assist in five USHL postseason contests. And somehow, through the magic of podcasting, I have acquired a scouting report about Alec Regula. Mike Stubbs is the broadcaster of the London Knights, and I asked him for a brief scouting report on Regula's game. He said, sure. He's been playing his best hockey this season. Great size, excellent hands and stick, can be an offensive threat with an ability to deke out defenders, good IQ, showing a real willingness to block shots this year, won't go out of his way to be physical, but holds his own in one-on-one battles. Doesn't bomb the puck from the blue line, but has a very accurate wrist shot, is used in front of the net and in the high slot on the power play. I said, do you have an NHL comp? Is he more defensive-minded than offensive-minded? What's his NHL potential? He said he would project to be a defensive defenseman in the NHL, maybe like Brett Pesci with more upside. He grew up around pro players. His dad, Chet, was the dentist for the Red Wings, the Lions, and the Tigers, and Alex's dad actually did dental work on Basil McRae one night after a high stick in a fight. Basil would later draft Alec when he was GM of the Knights. So there you go. There's some info on new Blackhawk Alec Regula. Brendan Perlini asked for a trade last week, or actually his agent asked for the right to look for a trade last week. The Blackhawks granted it, and uh, there you go. Now he is a Detroit Red Wing They got some scoring punch. Maybe Perlini can get more regular playing time in Detroit. So good luck to him. Nothing against the kid. I just think he was sort of boxed out in Chicago with the forward depth. So especially if Doc is going to stick around, Perlini uh, very much would be kind of on the outside looking in for playing time. So hopefully this works out for him and hopefully Regula becomes a solid NHL player for the Blackhawks for years to come. All right, let's go behind enemy lines. The Nashville Predators, tonight's opponent, 7-3-1 with 15 points in 11 games. They have won three games in a row. The Blackhawks, on the other hand, 3-5-2 with eight points in 10 games, so seven points ahead of the Hawks, though the Hawks do have a game in hand. When we look at the Corsi 4 percentages over the course of the season, the uh, Nashville Predators are ranked 17th with a 49.8 5-on-5 Corsi percentage. The Blackhawks are 20th with a 49.17. As far as the Fenwick goes, Nashville is 15th with a 50.59%, and the Blackhawks are 19th with a 49.10% Fenwick for percentage. Again, if you ever want information on Corsi and Fenwick, go to the description of this podcast. There will be a link to Natural Stat Trick and their glossary of terms so you can get familiar with what these things mean when I talk about them. Basically, it just means who had more shot attempts over the course of a game, over the course of a season, etc. All right, let's look at the scoring leaders for the Nashville Predators. Kind of odd. Their two leading scorers are defensemen. Roman Yossi, in 11 games, has five goals and eight assists for 13 points. He's a plus eight. Ryan Ellis, his defensive partner, has two goals and 11 assists, 13 points as well, and he's plus 11. This reminds me of the... Chris Chelios, Gary Suter, Blackhawks, where those two were at or near the top of the scoring charts all the time. And those were some good teams. You just had two defensemen that could put the puck in the net. And Roman Yossi is a guy who has, I think, hockey fans know how good he is. 
but I think the rest of the nation, like casual hockey fans, probably don't. Roman Yossi is one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. And to see him on top of the offensive sheet is, um, it's it's not surprising, but it's telling. It's like, wow, you, you forget about that part of his game sometimes. Roman Yossi, really, really solid. Uh, third in scoring, Matt Duchesne in 10 games. He's got two goals and nine assists for 11 points. He's a minus one. And then Ryan Johansson uh, and Victor Arvidsson are fourth and fifth. Johansson, two goals, eight assists for 10 points. Arvidsson, five goals, four assists for nine points. Those two are line mates as well. The Predators lead the Western Conference with 45 goals for and 34 goals against. That's a plus or 11 ratio, but 45 goals for is tops in the Western Conference. That's one more goal than the Colorado Avalanche have scored. Speaking of Roman Yossi, by the way, he was named the NHL's number two star of the week last week. In three games, he had two goals and four assists. So Yossi, uh, his great season is well underway. And yeah, that was a really good week, but he still has 13 points. Uh, even when you take away um, you know, the six from last week, he still had seven going into it. So Yossi's off to an incredible start, as is his D partner, Ryan Ellis. This is going to be a really, really big challenge for the Blackhawks. And to take a win away on the road from one of the top teams in the conference, uh, coming off a impressive and convincing win, I think could go a long way. And people are very quick to sort of poo-poo the idea of confidence and momentum. You know, that's a tricky word, but big wins matter and statement wins matter. Tell me, like, you know, let's look at the Chicago Bears for a second. I'm, I'm sorry to do this, but missing that kick isn't just going to affect them Sunday and that's it, right? That's going to have long-term effects on the team. It's going to affect the game plan. It's a different sport. It's apples and oranges. But to pretend that these guys are robots and wins and losses don't affect the way they play the next game or the next handful of games, it's foolish. It absolutely matters. And taking a win on the road, starting this road trip off right with a win against the National Predators tonight would be a tremendous thing for the Blackhawks to accomplish. And again, the lineup should be what it was Sunday night. The Hawks have Nashville tonight. They've got the LA Kings on Saturday night, the Anaheim Ducks Sunday night, and the San Jose Sharks a week from tonight. Those are winnable games. The only team in the playoff hunt in that stretch is the Anaheim Ducks. And when it's all said and done, does anyone really believe that the Ducks are going to be in the playoff picture? I don't think they're going to be. So this could be some time for the Hawks to make up some ground. And I don't want to overstate this, but I think having a road trip, having some time together. Look, the Prague thing, yes, that was a road trip. And yes, they had some bonding time. But there were a lot of travel hours put in. There was a lot of adjusting to the time. There was a lot of uh, NHL sort of not mandated, but you know what I mean, like NHL-sponsored events that the players had to be at, having their first real extended road trip of the season could be really beneficial for the team as well. I'm really looking forward to this game. I'm really looking forward to see what sort of response and what kind of start the Blackhawks are going to have. It's going to be a hostile environment. The Nashville Predators fans hate the Blackhawks more than they should. It's like they're trying to manufacture a rivalry. Mm, I don't know. Have you ever been to Nashville for a game, by the way? 
it's quite intense. I, I'll tell you, personal experience, when I go to games, I'm not a crap talker. I keep quiet. I'm just a quiet, just sort of a quiet guy in general. My wife and I are at a game in the Bridgestone Arena. This had to be like 2015 probably. It's 45 minutes before the game, but we want to watch the skates and just sort of get the feel for the building, whatever. I'm reading the program. My wife is on her phone, and I have a Blackhawks cap on, and I think my wife has maybe a jersey or a red sweater on, whatever. Dude and his wife come up in front of us and just scream, Predators, screw you, go home. We don't want you in our building. Stay in Chicago. And we're just like, pardon me? Like, we're literally just sitting here reading a program. The game hasn't started. It was just weird. And then, you know, see, now I'm going to sound like a guy with a rivalry problem with the Predators. But the stupid song they sing when the goalie lets in a goal, it's all your fault. It's all. No. Anyone that knows hockey is it's rarely the goalie's fault that a goal was scored. By now, Nashville, you should know that. Smashville. Get out of here. All right. Look what I'm doing. Now I'm feeding into it. Now this is going to be picked up in Nashville, and it's going to be bulletin board material, and the Hawks are going to lose 7-1, to and it's going to be all my fault, and I'm sorry. Anyway, let's wrap things up before I get into more trouble. First of all, I want to mention, thank you for bearing with me. I've had this, like, two-week-old cold that just will not go away. I cannot stop coughing. I've been up all night many nights this week, and uh, it's very, very frustrating. So if my voice is less than it usually is, I apologize. I've had to go back and edit out coughs several times in this podcast. So thanks for hanging with me. Thanks for tolerating my less than spectacular, which is never really spectacular anyway, voice, and uh, for joining me here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We'll be back with Hawks Predators reaction on Wednesday morning. Until then, make sure you follow the podcast at LO underscore Blackhawks. Send an email, LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com, or leave that voicemail, 708-653-0572. Signing off, it's Jay Zawoski on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.